Lord Jesus, pray that you would please open your word to us this morning and Lord, help us to hear from you. Help us to learn to trust you more and give more of our lives to you. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I have a friend who told me that when he was a kid, he used to worry a lot, especially when he went to bed at night. So he'd call his mom into his room and ask her a series of questions. He'd say, Mom, am am I going to get sick tonight? His mom would say, No, you're going to be fine. Well, am I going to die tonight? And his mom would say, No. Is Dad going to die tonight? No. How about the dog? Well, the dog will probably be okay, too. And they just sort of go through the list. And he said the great thing was that his mother always had the power to make him believe that everything was going to be okay. And he wished that now, as an adult, he could believe God's promises the way he believed his mom when he was a kid. Then he wouldn't be so anxious all the time. That might describe some of us here today. We want to be comforted by God's promises, but we keep being plagued by the question, does God really help? Will God really do anything to help us out? Some of you here today may be facing all kinds of troubles, maybe financial problems or a marriage that is on the rocks or a career that is unfulfilling or health problems. And in the holidays, I think a lot of those things can seem even worse, even bigger and more stressful, especially this time of year. And in all of that, we end up asking, does God help? The story we just read about God delivering Peter from prison addresses that question. And I just got to say, sort of as an aside, I don't know about you, but to be honest, I have a hard time believing a story like this. I mean, angels, prison doors opening by themselves, I mean... I believe God can do that sort of thing, but I've never seen it, and so I have a hard time believing this story. And that would make me feel like a bad pastor, except for the fact that everyone in the story doesn't believe it either, (laughs) which I find sort of comforting. Peter doesn't believe he's been released. He thinks it's a dream. The people back in the church don't believe it, even though they've been praying for it. I mean, it's kind of a humorous scene. I'm glad you laughed when Rosalind read it, because it's kind of funny. I mean, there they are praying, oh, Lord, deliver Peter. And then the servant girl says, Peter's here. Nah, God wouldn't do that. (laughs) Oh, Lord, deliver Peter, please. But I think they have a good reason for their unbelief. Look at how the story starts. King Herod arrests James, one of their friends, and kills him. So their unbelief makes sense. Presumably, they prayed for James as well. So why should it be any different with Peter? Which makes this story a lot more believable to me. It seems more realistic because of their unbelief. You know, if you were making this thing up, James wouldn't have died. He'd been sprung from prison if you were making it up. And if you were making it up, everyone would have believed that Peter had been released. They wouldn't have left him standing in the cold. This is a very realistic passage, and it speaks of the reality of our lives. And I think it offers two answers to the question, does God help? And the first answer is this. Yes, he does. He does help. He does intervene. In fact, in spite of our low expectations, sometimes he even intervenes miraculously. So we can pray with expectation. You know, the people who are praying for Peter to be released in this story have pretty low expectations of God. And I always imagine that they're praying prayers sort of like I pray. You know, oh, Lord, help Peter if you can. 
Help it not to hurt too much when they chop off his head. Lord, please, in your mercy. Low expectations. But God is not limited by our low expectations of what he can do. And sometimes he will do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or even imagine. Sometimes people are miraculously healed. I know a few who have been. I've seen God miraculously provide for me financially. I've seen him heal relationships I thought never could be healed. Sometimes God intervenes directly and even miraculously. Now, it's worth noting that even in a miracle, we will play a part. I don't know about you, but sometimes I expect God to just sort of zap my problems away while I watch TV. Call it a miracle, you know. Whoa, look what God did while I was watching TV. That's amazing. (laughs) But Peter here is very involved in his own deliverance. He has to follow the angel's instructions. He has to figure out how to get to Mark's house when he's been released. Even in a miracle, we will play a part for a good reason. God wants to do things with us rather than for us. Because that builds our relationship with him. Which means that when we pray for somebody who's lonely, we may be part of the miracle by going to that person and making friends with them. When we're praying for reconciliation, we may be part of the miracle by becoming the reconciler. God's miracles always involve us. And it's worth noting they don't always happen on our timetable. Notice Peter here has to wait until the night before his execution to get delivered. It's gotten a little close, don't you think, God? I mean, just kind of scary, right? But it wasn't too late. And sometimes we don't even see the miracle. We need someone else to point it out to us. Hey, that was a miracle. Did you know that? Just like the people in this story needed the servant girl to point out to them that God had done a miracle. God's miracles may involve us. They may not happen immediately. And we may need someone else to point them out to us when they happen. But that doesn't mean they don't happen. They do. God intervenes. Tony Campolo is a Baptist preacher and he tells a story about a time he was speaking at a Pentecostal college. And before he spoke, there was a prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, a man started praying for a guy named Charlie Stolfus. And the man started shouting out, Dear Lord, you know Charlie Stolfus. You know he lives in the silver trailer a half mile down the road on the right. As if God needed the address, right? You know, Lord, this morning that he left his wife and kids, so, Lord, do a miracle for Charlie Stolfus. Heal him. Bring him back together. Well, the prayer meeting ended. Tony Campolo spoke. And as he was driving home, he saw a hitchhiker, so he picked him up. And he said, hello, my name's Tony Campolo. What's your name? And the hitchhiker said, Charlie Stolfus. (laughs) So Tony Campolo got off at the next exit, turned around, and headed back the opposite direction. And Charlie Stolfus said, where are you taking me? And Tony Campolo said, home, because you left your wife and kids this morning. At which point, Charlie Stolfus plastered himself against the car window with his eyes just huge. So Tony Campolo drove him home to the silver trailer a half mile down the road on the right. So he knew where to go because of the prayer meeting. When they got there, Charlie said, how'd you know where I lived? And Tony Campolo said, God told me. So they went inside and Tony Campolo talked to he and his wife, got him into some counseling. Eventually their marriage was healed and now Charlie Stolfus is a pastor. You'd be too if that happened to you. (laughs) Now, is that a miracle? 
it is at bare minimum an astonishing coincidence, right? <laughs> and I got to say, I am just a little bit jealous. This is the kind of thing that always happens to Pentecostal preachers, right? <laughs> we Presbyterians never get material this good. Always have to borrow it from someone else. I'd say that was God intervening directly. Now, it involves some human participation. It came in a nick of time, but it was still miraculous. Sometimes God will do miracles in our lives. But what about when he doesn't? What about when there is no miracle? Which brings us to the second question this story asks. Why does James get his head cut off and Peter gets out of prison? That's a good question. And it's one the Bible is not afraid to ask. What happens when there is no miracle? Is God still helping? And I believe from my own experience that the answer is absolutely yes. You see, regardless of our circumstances, the miracle God always does is to make us closer to him and to use whatever happens to us for good. You see, what God cares most about is that we know him and that we become like Jesus, which is what happens for both Peter and James. You know, God doesn't spring Peter from prison just for Peter's convenience. He does it so that people around Peter will know who God is. And for James, it's the same thing. Death may not have been a tragedy. We're all going to die anyway at some point. And it may have been that James had grown, grown enough in his character, he'd become more like Jesus, he was ready to go be with God. And it certainly was the case that by dying, James experiences complete intimacy with God, which is the best thing that can happen to anybody. You know, I think somewhere along the line, we have been lied to. We have been told that if we're good people, if we mind our P's and Q's, if we love God, then we will have a problem-free life. And that is a lie. And it's not in the Bible. That produces people like me who end up whining whenever we have a problem because we're just sure that God has abandoned us. But God never promised to fix all of our problems. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have problems. Jesus is realistic. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. What God has promised is not to, not to fix all of our problems, but to make us like Jesus and to always be with us and to use all the things that happen to us, even if they're bad, for good. And that the tougher things get, the closer he'll be. And for those, the promises that God has made, he has kept everyone every time. That's what Christmas is about. That's what Christmas reminds us of, that God loved us enough to leave the perfection of heaven live a life of hardship and poverty, all so that we could know him better. And then to die for us so that we could be reconciled to him, and then rise again to show us that even death has been conquered, and there's nothing that we need to fear now, and that even something as awful as a crucifixion can be turned around and used for good. Christmas is about a God who will stop at nothing to get to us and show us that he's there, show us that he loves us, and show us that he can use everything for good. And the more we know him, the more peace we have, regardless of our circumstances. And that's called freedom. After our first child was born, my wife got Bell's palsy, which is a paralysis of the face, and she could hardly talk, which was very embarrassing. It's a very embarrassing condition, especially for people like us who are in the public eye all the time. <clears throat> and the doctor told her that it would probably go away but that sometimes it was permanent. And that scared us. On top of that, we just had a baby, our first child. We didn't know what we were doing, so we were exhausted. At the time, I was having a lot of problems in my ministry in California. We were just overwhelmed. 
We prayed and prayed for help, but nothing happened. And, and we both got frustrated at God, wondering why he wasn't helping. I mean, I kept thinking, I'm a pastor after all. I mean, what good is being a pastor if you don't go to the top of the list when you need something, you know? <laughs> There's got to be a perk in here somewhere, right? Well, about that time, we had a healing service at our church in California, and Christina decided to go. And we had great plans. Not only was God going to heal her, but Christina's family would see that miracle, and they'd all become Christians, and then I'd have a story like Tony Campolo's. It was going to be awesome. You know, for we knew the plans we had for us, and they were good ones. But when she came back from the healing service, her face was still paralyzed. And I said, I guess it didn't work. Huh. And she said, I wouldn't put it that way. And then she described how she was sitting in, a healing, in the healing service listening to God's promises. Promises like, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will make all things work for your good. I loved you enough to die for you. And having died for you, won't I do everything for you that you need? Won't I take care of you? And she saw the elders praying for people, carrying other people's burdens to God. And she was moved to tears. And she realized in a new way how much God loved her. And that nothing was going to touch her that didn't first pass through his loving hands. And that one way or another, he would use everything for her good, even as he was using that Bell's palsy right in that moment to help her get to know him better. And she said to me, he didn't heal my face. But he healed the more important thing. My relationship with him. And right now, I don't need anything else. Now, eventually, the paralysis did go away. But what Christina discovered is that when you know that God is there and know that even if bad things happen, he will use them for good, that is always enough. God will always make a way where there seems to be no way, either miraculously but always by making us know that the God of the universe is right beside us and that he will take our hand and walk us through whatever we face and use all things for our good. Psalm 72 puts it this way, Whom have I in heaven but you? And having you on earth, I desire nothing else. My flesh and my heart may fail, but you are my God, my rock, my portion forever. Or as the 23rd Psalm puts it, The Lord is my shepherd, and that is enough. Lord Jesus, thank you for this amazing promise that you're always with us. And Lord, this Christmas time, I pray for every problem and trouble that's in this room, the the big ones, the little ones, everything in between, Lord, that that you would make a way, either miraculously or, or by letting us know how close you are and using all things for good. Lord, I pray that for everyone in this room. In the name of Jesus, amen.